Maybe you saw on Tuesday morning, if you're at least if you're in West Michigan like I did, that stunning rainbow traversing the horizon, each color so vivid, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, indigo, violet, Roy G. Biv on full display. Uh, Joel Rusher, my friend and colleague, was mowing the lawn. He turned off the John Deere. I was sitting on Pillar's front porch protecting myself from the West Michigan fall elements. He said, hey, check it out. Stunning rainbow. So I did what you do when you see something beautiful. I called my friend, Tom Fabiana, who works at the peanut store, thinking maybe he might want to sneak out the back of the store and come take a look at it with me. Uh, Here's a picture of the rainbow. Stunning views. I'll tell you about the conversation I had with Tom that transpired around it. Uh, But for now, I want to invite you with me to immerse yourself in the, at least a portion of the whole story of which your story is a part. I'm I'm borrowing a phrase from missionary Leslie Newbegin and to my way of seeing things, the church could learn a few things from missionaries right now who who tries to define reality in narrative form. He suggests the story of God in the world is the story of a God who picks up the sin, sickness, sadness, brokenness, dysfunction, and every ache that wreaks havoc on our lives. He picks it up and gives it back to you as redemption and to the world as good news. That's the story of God. That's what God does. He turns every ache into glory, every sadness into joy, every pain into redemption. That's the whole story of which your story is a part. So listen to the next portion of it just to catch you up as to where we are. I'll make this quick. In the beginning, God made the world. That's what Christians think. They think God spoke and life happened. But something really bad happened, something tragic actually. And the world, we call it the fall and the world has been spiraling in sin ever since. But God isn't going to let us continue to spiral into dizziness. So first he showed up to Noah with an ark and then Abram and Sarai with a son and then Isaac with a ram and Jacob with a blessing and Joseph with a dream that led them to Egypt. Joseph and his family and actually all of Israel led them to Egypt where for a while they were thriving But then a few things shifted and the thriving became oppression. They were pressed by the angry arm of a ferocious pharaoh. But God wasn't willing to let them stay there. So listen. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. On the tenth day of this month, the whole assembly of Israel shall take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If the family's too small for a whole lamb, they shall join their closest neighbor in obtaining one. They shall divide it according to the proportions of those who eat of it. The lamb shall be without blemish. A year old male. You may take it from the sheep or the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat of it. You shall eat it that very night. You shall eat it roasted over a fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. You shall not eat it raw or boiled in water. 
You shall eat it roasted over a fire, its head, its legs, and its inner organs. You shall not leave any until the morning. Any that is left until morning, you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. You shall eat it with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, a staff in your hand. You shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. I will pass over the land of Egypt on that very night, striking down the firstborn of, in all the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. I will execute my judgments on all the gods of Egypt. When you see the blood on the houses, it shall be a sign for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over your house, and no plague shall strike you in the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Exodus 12, verses 1 through 13. You're more than welcome to find it in a Bible near you or the smartphone on you. Just four words for our time together, and then we'll be off to whatever else the day holds. Location, anticipation, celebration, and expectation. If you're the note-taking type, here it is again. Location, anticipation, celebration, expectation. I promise it'll be the shortest four-point sermon you've ever heard. Location. Notice where this takes place. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt. Now, for the record, when God speaks, life happens. That's, that's how it was in the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And God said, and life happened. All of creation took place, and here we are again. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt. Egypt, for them then, was the place of oppression, and throughout the Bible becomes a metaphor for suffering and heartache and hurt and sadness and sickness and all kinds of pain, and that's the place God speaks life. It's in Egypt that God speaks life. We tend, in the seasons of suffering and in our many Egypts, which pale in comparison to the 430 years of oppression the Israelites knew then. Too often and too quickly, we, we take our seasons of suffering and figure God either is not God, God has abandoned, God doesn't care, or maybe even worse, God is mad at me. God's out to get me. What did I do? What can I do? How can I get back into God's good graces? All the while, the story of which your story is a part is the story of God who acts, speaks, brings life in the suffering, brings life in Egypt. You probably tuned in or at least heard about the presidential debate on Tuesday night. Whatever your politics, my heart broke by the temper and the tone, and it felt to me an awful lot like Egypt. On that same Tuesday, I got a text message from a friend sharing with me a picture of Calistoga Ranch in California where I had married her son and daughter-in-law two years earlier. Now that beautiful ranch and wine country absolutely devoured by the raging fires in California, and it felt to me like Egypt. That same day, I got a phone call from a local funeral home asking me if Pillar would host and if I would officiate at the funeral of a 20-year-old Holland man who took his own life. And it felt like Egypt. And that was Tuesday. That was my little life. What about each of our lives 
personally and then all of our lives collectively. And if we're honest, doesn't it sometimes feel a little bit like Egypt? Maybe the question in Egypt is not so much, why has God abandoned me, but more, what's God going to do now? What's God up to here? What's God up to next? The Lord God said, spoke life to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. That's where God acts. That's where God speaks. That's where God shows up. That's the location if you're taking notes. Now, anticipation. This is what God said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. Change your calendars. Start over. A new day, a new life. The world is about to turn. This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Everything about to be made new. The calendars can be reset. Time will be counted differently now. The word shall is both a promise and a command. Anticipating what God is about to do. God is about to deliver them, protect them, and deliver them from the angry oppression of a taskmaster in Egypt. And it's a command. Do it now. But we're still in Egypt. Do it now. But Pharaoh's right there. Do it now. It's, it's an obedient anticipation. We live according to the promise while in Egypt. It's too easy to concede to the cultural scripts. Eye for eye, tit for tat. You mess with me, I mess with you. Stop. It's so boring. It's not the way of God. Pursu- live into the promise. It's both a promise and a command at the same time, freeing you in a world of vengeance to forgive because one day you'll experience the full reality of God's forgiving grace. Rather than eye for eye, tit for tat, you got me, I'll get you, you can go the way of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In a world of racial injustice and racial hatred and racial oppression, you can stand up with and for the truth because one day every knee will bend and every tongue, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. It's obedient anticipation in Egypt. You live as if the promise is already real. That's the anticipation, now the celebration. You'll notice the whole storyline revolves around the lamb. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If the household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The land shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or the goats. The whole storyline revolves around the lamb, the protection from the great enemy death and deliverance for the people of God from oppression. It all revolves around the lamb and you know where I'm going to go. The lamb of Exodus 12 becomes the lamb of the gospel, Jesus Christ. John, the gospel writer, would say of him, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb in Exodus 12 becomes the lamb of God in Jesus Christ, of whom John, the gospel seer, would say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Exodus 12, both for protection and deliverance protecting us from the great enemy death and all of its minions, which is why the poet John Dunn could say, death, thou shalt die, which is why John Chrysostom, the golden mouth, the great preacher, could say, hell took a body and found God. It took earth and discovered heaven. 
The Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ, gives death what it deserves and offers to us resurrection. It's both protection and deliverance, which is why Jesus would say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, which is why he would say, I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance. The way of Jesus Christ through his life, death, and resurrection is the way to freedom. He has defeated the curse of the cross in resurrection, offering it back to you. Deliverance, freedom, redemption. So here's the thing. I realize you're sitting in your living room, maybe on a TV screen, maybe in a com- on a computer, iPad, I-, I don't know. Get on your knees. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. I don't do this often, but I'm going to do it now. No one's looking. Get on your knees and commit your life to Jesus Christ. If you know fear of the great enemy death or the oppression, the the pressure of, of an addiction, of any kind of suffering, give your life to Christ and find freedom, find protection, and then email me. Let's get together and talk about it. The celebration of Exodus 12 is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now expectation. All of this, this whole deliverance story that takes place in Exodus 12 and is realized in Jesus Christ comes with it, comes with it a certain set of expectations. And this is how you should eat of it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. We so often either rely so heavily on grace that we go on doing what we wanted to do anyway. Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. Or we carry such a burden for our own lives that we think it's up to us. It depends on us. I better shape up, get it together, do more so God might finally say, all right, fine. And the gospel's inviting us into some middle place. The grace of God forgives everything you've ever done in your life and at the same time invites you to pursue deliverance. Put your shoes on. Get your staff ready. Grab your bag. Eat it hurriedly. It's the Passover. The deliverance of God in our lives requires participation. There's an expectation that comes with it. So don't rest and wait. Get up. Get going. Where are your shoes? So uh, Tuesday, the stunning rainbow. The, the, the pot of gold seemed to me to be landing at about the warm friend on 8th Street. That was my vantage point. I was under the porch at Pillar protecting myself from the elements. Joel Rusher, uh, my friend and colleague, was mowing the lawn, shut off the John Deere. Hey, check it out. And I did what you do. I called someone else to see the beauty with me, my friend Tom Fabiano thinking he might want to slip out the back of the peanut store and join me for a minute. He wasn't there. Uh, When I told him about the rainbow, he said, are you kidding me? Which frankly struck me as an odd response. I mean, rainbows are beautiful, but they're not. I mean, on a wet day when the sun starts to shine, they're not exactly anomaly. He said to me, are you kidding me? He went on to say, Tuesday, that day, September 29th, was the nine-year anniversary of the death of his nephew, Michael, who was killed tragically in a devastating car accident. And on that day, September 29, 2011, there in the sky was a vivid rainbow, all of the colors on full display. 
And the Fabiano family took that as a reminder in the midst of their devastating grief, their overwhelming sadness. God remembers them. God sees them. God cares. So I'm talking to Tom, who for many, many years has battled different versions of addiction. And his nephew Michael's death was a wake-up call. Admittedly, he'll tell you he hit snooze on that wake-up call multiple times, but now he'll say with joy, because of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm sober. It took a lot of work. He wakes up every day having to choose sobriety one day at a time. He's learned to say, it's taken a lot of work. It's been a long journey. But on the phone on Tuesday, he said, I get to go to Michael's graveside today sober. I get to go to Michael's graveside today without shame. God delivers. Where are your shoes? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.